Coming up this week on Sporting Journal Radio. Hikers are getting attacked on hiking trails and people are stumbling into marijuana grow operations that are booby trapped or guarded or stuff like that. And some of the biggest walleyes of the year are caught during the deer hunting season. You don't want to be in a gunfight over something that, that isn't life or death. I fish, I hunt, and always will. Broadcasting from the Alclair Outdoor Studios. Presented by OnX. Know where you stand with OnX. We're not just a radio show anymore. This is Sporting Journal Radio. That's right. I'm Brett Amundsen. Thanks for tuning in on the network by demand, sportingjournalradio.com, or maybe by watching this on YouTube. we got a great show this week for you. That's Dan Amundsen over there. Dan? Hey. What's happening? Not much. David's in a combine today. I'm kind of surprised because it's kind of wet out there, but... Hey, they're rushing to get done. Had a little bit of a weather change late in the week this week. Temps a little bit cooler, some northwest winds that brought some migrating waterfowl down. It uh, got the deer moving a little bit, but got things... A little more soggy once again, which is nice because we had some dry sloughs, so fill those sloughs in a little bit. Maybe we'll keep some of those ducks and geese around a little longer. You'd like to think, but uh, we need some corn out too. You know, there's uh, I drove around the other day and there's pockets of corn out and the geese and ducks know it. And we can't hunt most of those pockets of corn right now, so we need our corn to come out so we can hunt them because all of the birds are in there. Well, that corn is also hampering pheasant hunting efforts. I'll talk about my pheasant opener weekend experience. In fact, we did a really cool story for Prairie Sportsman that'll air in the new season. We'll tell you more about that in just a little bit. Kevin Michalowski is going to join us. He's with Delta Defense. We talked to him at the Aglow Conference in Bemidji this year. He's got some interesting things to say. Uh, you're going to want to listen. We'll talk to him coming up in just a little bit. Joe Henry will also talk about the rainy river fishing right now, what it's like, and uh, also start talking a little bit about uh, winter fishing up but uh, they're up at uh, Lake of the Woods and then what it takes to get up to the Northwest Angle and, and how things might be a little bit different in the winter than they are during the open water season. All that coming up. But first, Dan, who are this week's sponsors? Live Target. Match the hatch at LiveTargetLures.com. Lake of the Woods Tourism. Lake of the Woods is the walleye capital. Plan a trip for this fall or winter at LakeoftheWoodsMN.com. Haybell Heights Campground and Resort. Book a trip to Devil's Lake. Fish out of a snow bear this winter. Learn more at HaybellHeights.com. Ottertail Lakes Country. Find your inner otter at OttertailLakesCountry.com. And Prairie Sportsman, like Brett said, we filmed a cool story for him. You can watch that anytime. Well, not anytime yet. You can watch <laughs> the news. Uh, Let's start that over. <laughs> you can watch old episodes anytime at the go. Prairie Sportsman YouTube channel, but you can watch what we filmed last weekend uh, at the during the upcoming season. Check your uh, geez, the words TV are tough. guide for your local <laughs> air times. While you're on YouTube, check out the Fish Hunt Forever channel, and uh, we may have a, a snow goose hunt on there. Yeah, and actually, before we do that, you interrupted me. Let's go back. Uh, also, the one thing I was going to plug is... Um, if you're hunting, it's MEA weekend. If you're hunting around the Lac Par or Lac I cannot talk today. Well, you sure you want me to let you? <laughs> you want, sure you want me to stop and let you talk? Yeah, uh, the Lac Parl area. Come out to the uh, Milan Legion on Saturday and uh, get some steaks. Support the Milan Fire Department uh, five to nine Saturday. So do that. Big old steak. Grab a beer. It's uh, it's a good time. I know we'll have some friends there. So uh, head on out that way. You got a little graphic for it, don't you? Oh yeah, I forgot about that. I'm so distracted right now because I can't speak. There, there it is. is. October twenty first. Uh, go do that. All right, so uh, we went up to Saskatchewan. We filmed a bunch of videos. You can see three of them on the YouTube channel, maybe four. 
by the time this airs? We're hoping for Sunday the 22nd. Okay. So Sunday um, night. Yeah. Watch for a new one. And of course, make sure you check out this channel, Prey Sportsman and the Tazin TV, Tazin Lake Lodge YouTube channel while you're on there. Uh, a couple of notes coming out of, of the DNR, various DNR and state game agencies, uh, North Dakota. They started stocking sturgeon in the Pembina River. I think that's, uh, if I remember correctly, that's the first time. Uh, that they've done that. It, it's the first time in, in North Dakota Game and Fish Department's history they released 1,006 to 9-inch lake sturgeon raised in the Valley City National Fish Hatchery into the Pembina River to reestablish a population of fish that can live long and grow large. This story courtesy of K-Fire uh, TV. So that's kind of cool. Get some more sturgeon uh, in, the, in the Red River system up there in the Pembina River. And then also on the Minnesota side uh, for deer hunters getting ready to, to deer hunt for the gun season November 4th, they gave a kind of a report in the southern part of Minnesota. They they think that hunters should have success. The numbers are uh, pretty good. In the south, in the central, they say deer populations remain robust and highly productive in central Minnesota, and deer also fared well over the winter. That's my DNR voice. I love a robust deer population. (laughs) Northeast, no surprise here. Deer populations in many northern areas of Minnesota are still struggling to recover following back-to-back severe winters and (coughs) wolves and bears. Really, winters, (laughs) huh? They Hmm. left that part out of the story. Funny. But winters, I mean, weather still is going to dictate your your, uh, wildlife populations. Yeah, because they can't run away from a wolf in the snow. Predators, (laughs) there's a lot of predators up there, too. Wolves and black bears, obviously have uh, an effect in the northwest deer populations are mostly stable which huh they had rough winters up there too you know what's the difference not as many wolves not as many not as many Hmm. all right so uh, you can read the full deer report dnr news what minnesota deer hunters can expect this season at sportingjournalradio.com uh what else oh pheasant opened it this past weekend we filmed a really cool event uh, with Warriors and Walleyes Outdoors. It's, uh, it's an organization that ha- hosts these veterans events. They've been doing it up at Lake of the Woods at Arneson's for a number of years. We filmed that for Prairie Sportsman a couple of years ago. Lance Peterson told me about this event where he's going to bring Purple Heart recipients out, uh, pheasant hunting and also walleye fishing. And I think we've got just a short little teaser we'll play here for you right now. January uh, 14th, 1969, I had a bad day. And that day I was on a convoy and our convoy was ambushed and I was taken a, a prisoner of war. Okay, so there is a little snippet. You'll see the full video coming on the new season of Prairie Sportsman. We took him pheasant. In fact, I filmed him pheasant hunting, and Dan, you filmed him fishing. Yep, it was a good time out in western Minnesota. That was Gary. Yep. Gary was a prisoner of war for four years. Four years, yeah. He tells people that, uh, like, if he goes and speaks at a school, he says, at a high school, he says, you know, talking to freshmen, by the time, you know, the day you walk through the door of this school to the day you graduate, that's how long... He was a prisoner of war. That's amazing. I mean, what a way to put it in perspective. Like you hear four years, four years, whatever. The older you get, it goes by fast. But I can guarantee you it uh, didn't go by fast for Gary. No, 
no, an amazing story. And there were a number of other, uh, we talked to guys that were shot down in helicopters and, uh, and then there were some also some other local law enforcement that have been through some hard times lately that were there as well too. So we'll have that story for you coming up on the new season of Prairie Sportsman starting in January. Uh, and then Sunday, I had a chance to get out just for a little bit, did a little bit of walking with, uh, with Tiny, uh, shot a couple of birds, only saw a handful of birds. And I think a lot of that's due to the fact that there's still a lot of corn standing. It's starting to come out. A lot of the beans are out, um, but there was still there was still standing beans next to where I hunted, and then a lot of standing corn as well too. And we had uh, an interesting couple of people come to town. Dan, a friend of ours, Tony Crotty, met met this guy hunting in northern Minnesota, and it it was Austin and his girlfriend Coda. They're from down in uh, southern Mississippi, southern Louisiana. And they're traveling up to the Canadian border, and they're going to follow the migration all the way down. And I thought, I'm like, oh, that's pretty cool. What are you guys going to be out here for a couple of weeks? He goes, well, we're hoping to be back by, you know, January 31st or so, something like that. And that's definitely not a Louisiana accent. I just gave him right there. But so they're going to be on the road for a long time. They're young. They want to do it while they can. And uh, they'd never shot a pheasant before. So I actually took them, Austin Coda, out pheasant hunting. And Coda shot her first pheasant ever right here tiny puts this bird up right there and flushes it right back at us they both shoot at it coda knocks it down uh in that video right there so they got to have their first pheasant hunting experience there they are with their dog ellie ellie may glad you remembered that yes yeah. I, I didn't it took me a minute but they had uh, their dog so that was the first pheasant retrieve for for ellie may right there so they got to experience their first pheasant hunting uh experience here and uh, it was cool to meet them uh, so you guys if you're watching have fun on the rest of your trip be safe good luck and all that stuff all right we have got kevin michalowski coming up we talked to him at the aglow conference in bemidji he's with delta defense and uscca what does that stand for we'll tell you when we come back on sporting journal radio 852 million acres of public land 147 million private properties all in the palm of your hand the number one hunting GPS app just got better. With hundreds of custom map layers, 3D and topographic maps, you can easily scout on the road or at home before you go. And now you can get important weather details, CWD detection, and even know what crops have been planted where. Get the most trusted hunting GPS app ever made. Onyx. Know where you stand with Onyx. Devil's Lake is legendary, and this summer has been legendary for walleyes. Don't miss out. Call Haybale Heights Campground and Resort today to book one of their modern cabins on East Bay. The cabins are furnished with a full bathroom, kitchen, and all the amenities like high-speed internet and are clean following CDC guidelines. Staying at Haybale Heights gives you full access to a private boat launch, fish cleaning station, and beach area. Learn more at haybaleheights.com. That's haybaleheights.com. Plan your trip to legendary Devil's Lake today. All right, welcome to Sporting Journal Radio. I'm Brett Amundsen. Thank you for tuning in on YouTube. Maybe you're listening on the radio network or downloading the podcast. Thank you very much. We're at the Aglow Conference in Bemidji, and our guest now is Kevin Michalowski. Kevin, how you doing? Great. Happy to be here. This is uh, my 30th year with Aglow. 30? Wow. <laughs> yeah, 1993. No I was so young back then. <laughs> well, this is our third year, and uh, but I already feel like we're, we're so much part of the family. I feel like we've been here for longer than just three years. And that's one of the wonderful things about this organization is that, and, and quite frankly why I keep coming back, is when I started, 
everybody was so helpful and gave me a leg up and and there was it was like there was no competition they just wanted me to succeed as well and that's that's what i think uh, great lakes outdoor writers does for everyone who's a member yeah you know it's been great for us and i've i've always felt that no matter who i talk to they're willing to help me out if I need something and, and we've always tried to do our best to try to help out you know it's it's a great organization of giving of uh, you know writers and creators and podcasters TV guys but along with the the destinations and the brands like uh, you know a couple of the sponsors that we got on the show right now are people we've met through a glow yeah absolutely and it's it's over the past 30 years it's changed immensely you know I was I was a newspaper guy I was oh, really? hammering out um, you know columns for a daily newspaper in South Dakota uh, when I joined the glow for the first time um, you know and now that newspaper is by and large gone you know it's gobbled up I mean, there's probably kids out there saying what's a newspaper yeah right you know <laughs> things what like that was it, it was right? the Aberdeen American News um, it was part of the Knight Ritter chain at the time and I was the outdoor writer there for about five years full-time hunting and fishing having a great time it was yeah, just I like wonderful. Wisconsin but why would you leave Aberdeen yeah what? well because I was making about twenty eight thousand oh, dollars a year yeah. you know and I was trying to raise kids so <laughs> it was uh, um, the uh, the newspaper industry was tough um, and quite honestly as I learned more and more and I met more and more people from a glow there's a million ways to make money in the outdoor community in the firearms community and uh, I just kept looking at different stuff that I like to do and when did it so see I went from Wisconsin to North Dakota because I needed to make more money than I was making there you go <laughs> <laughs> yeah. doing radio yeah been very similar and radio has changed quite a bit you know and uh, obviously we're very thankful for having this show on a bunch of radio stations but we finally had a breakdown like it didn't wasn't a podcast for a long time it was strictly yep. a radio show one hour outdoor show on a number of stations and podcast grew in popularity mm -hmm. so much that we finally had to turn it into a radio show that you could listen to as a podcast and now we try to make it more of a podcast format but still apply it to radio so it's a, it's a bit of a hybrid for us. Yeah, we gotta be flexible, don't we? We have to, you have to evolve. You know, yeah. you constantly, this, whether you're in the outdoor industry or any sort of media industry now, you just constantly have to evolve, which isn't always easy to do. Yeah. But uh, in the digital age, the, uh, the opportunities are endless and uh, there's really a lot of opportunities out there if you, if you really apply yourself and try hard. And, and if you wanna make it in the outdoor industry, you can do it, it's, it's busy, Yeah. but you can do it and Obviously, a group like this can really help somebody out. Yeah, and I tell people all the time that no matter what you do and where you're going to do it, you just have to go to work every day and put in the work. work. You have to do the work. It's not none of this. Whether you decide you're going to open a distillery or whether you decide you're going to, you know, um, be an outdoor podcaster, if you're not willing to really work at it, there's going to be somebody else who does, and yeah. and people who do the work make the money. Yeah, it was hard work this morning. Like we were slaving away in the boat. Yeah, fishing. Fi fishing you got to get up early. <laughs> you know, the waves are moving around. I mean, you, you probably had to stretch a little bit before you got out there. You don't want to pull anything. You know, so. Uh, no, it's been great. You know, so we're in Bemidji, so we fished yeah. Lake Bemidji today, and and we were in Branson last year. We got to fish Table Rock, and yeah. uh, we were in Gaylord, Michigan, the year before that, and we got to go out and experience some of the outdoor opportunities, and we've done a lot 
lot of the Aglow media camps have gone to Niagara River and just the ability to go see new places, hunt and fish all over the, you know, mm -hmm. all over the yeah. North America, really, for that matter, or all over the U.S. Mm -hmm. And then meet interesting people and, you know, having the ability to meet you and, and what you do has always been kind of interesting. I've wanted to have you on the podcast for a long time. Well, thank I think what you talk about is important. You know, we talk a lot about hunting and fishing here on the show. And but what ties along closely, uh, uh, you know, along the same vein is, you know, what you talk about a lot. And that can be, uh, you know, self-defense or, you know, yeah. handguns or concealed carry permit, permit to carry, things like that. Uh, tell me what you do and who you do it for in, in, in your background in law enforcement. Yeah, I'm the executive editor of Concealed Carry magazine. And uh, um, that is the uh, national publication arm of the United States Concealed Carry Association. And our, our overall company is called Delta Defense. Um, Delta Defense is the operating arm of the USCCA. So how, how that all works together for organizational purposes. Um, I'm actually an employee of Delta Defense and I'm serving the United States Concealed Carry Association. And truthfully, what we do is we provide people training and education for what to do before, during, or after any sort of self-defense incident. And in the reason I'm here at the Great Lakes Outdoor Writers event is I have for years been trying to connect folks in the outdoor community with the idea that they need to be ready to protect themselves, not just home defense or out in the field or, or, or things like that, but just at all times, it's part of their responsibility. And I, I was a cop for 17 years. I just retired about six months ago. And some of the things, like one of the biggest meth cases we had in our little rural county in central Wisconsin started with a guy walking out into his back 40 and seeing a dead deer. Somebody had shot a deer, poached it, and he got mad. And he called the game warden. And the game warden came out, looked at the site, and saw four-wheeler tracks headed down toward a little shack. And God bless the game warden. Rather than charging in there and going to write somebody a ticket for poaching deer, he sat on the hillside and he watched with binoculars for a few minutes and he saw this meth cooking operation with a bunch of guys in there with guns and cooking up meth and, and, and it turned into a great big drug bust. And that really drove home this idea that you know, hunters and uh, fishermen for sure are, are typically not armed or anything like that, but hunters think, well, I'm carrying my rifle out in the woods, I, I'll be fine. You know, if something, something goes wrong, I'll be okay. But people don't understand how much time when you're out there hunting that you don't actually have a loaded gun with you and under your direct control and ready to protect yourself with and things like that. And a lot of bad things are happening out in the woods. Hikers are getting attacked on hiking trails and people are stumbling into marijuana grow operations that are booby trapped or guarded or stuff like that. And, and you know, meth is prevalent all over the place. It, it, it's just happening. People are cooking it everywhere. And you never know who you're going to run into or what's gonna happen. And you know, you've got thousands of dollars worth of outdoor gear that bad guys know they can sell somewhere for something. And, and actually at an Aglow conference several years ago, we had a guy who got robbed of all of his video equipment at the boat ramp. He went out, parked the boat, happened to have the TV sticker on the side for his show on the side of his truck. And he wasn't gone three hours. By the time he got back, the windows were smashed out of the truck. Every single thing was gone. And it just proves to people that as long as bad guys got cars, you, they can go anywhere. You gotta be ready. And it may not happen. The odds are really high, but, or the odds are really low, but the stakes are really high. 
I'll, that's why I don't have my trailer wrapped. Right. I don't, it's like an yeah. invitation. Come take yeah. my stuff. Yeah. Uh, but I'm probably gonna have a wrap truck and I'm yeah. <laughs> trying to decide how I wanna lock stuff in there yeah. or just not ever keep anything in the yeah. truck. Yeah, keep know, stuff of value. Or, or yeah. whatever, but that's scary. I, yeah. There's nothing more that drives me crazy than mm -hmm. people that steal stuff like yeah. that. Absolutely drives me bonkers. Mm -hmm. Just go get a job, buy yourself. <laughs> yeah. Come on. Well, like, that is their job. They steal stuff oh, you know, for a living. Gosh, so. It drives me nuts. Well, it, it is important and you know, we're out in the middle of nowhere a lot of times when you're hunting and you think you're out there just enjoying nature and life and it's peaceful and you're relaxed. You know, something like that could easily take you off guard while you're out there. Yeah, absolutely. And and that's what we talk about too is is you are your own first responder when you're out in the field, when you're out on the water, whatever it is you're going to do. And you know, we brought stuff for the auction that we're gonna we're gonna put on the auction here at the Aglow Conference. We brought first aid kits. Mm. You are much more likely to need to provide first aid to yourself in an outdoor setting. Maybe you cut yourself with a broadhead or your knife or something like that than you are to be involved in a deadly incident. But we want people to start thinking about being prepared and being prepared for that. And no matter where you go nowadays, I don't know why the Wisconsin DNR has denied for so many years that there were um, mountain lions in Wisconsin, <laughs> but they're out there. And yeah. you know what? They can attack your pets or they can attack your kids or they can attack you. And how are you going to protect yourself? I'm, I'm an advocate for firearms, but I don't think that that's where you have to start. You just have to start with the mindset that I'm going to do something to protect myself. Mm -hmm. If that's a can of bear spray, if that's a decent plan for escape, if that's carrying a firearm, great, I want you to do that. And Two I want to the gun show. There you go. And I want you to be I want you to be I want you to be prepared for that and have a plan. Yeah. And once you start thinking about that, then you, you start understanding how important it is to take care of you yourself and the people you love. One thing I really wanted to make sure we talk about is somebody was asking me about uh, Delta Defense and USCCA mm -hmm. and, and membership and mm -hmm. just what you get out of it. And, yeah. I, and I said, you know, I'm, I'm actually not a member yet. Um, <laughs> I've been looking into it a lot, but I get the emails and it's like a lot of times the emails are either full of information about what to do in a certain situation or yeah. deals on products, things like yeah. that, or what you're going to get from your membership. But I think one of the most important things that you get is nobody ever wants, if you're carrying, and I carry, nobody ever wants to ever use it. Right. Nobody ever wants to be in that situation. Mm -hmm. You just wanna have it so if something happens, you have the ability to protect yourself. Nobody ever wants to be in that situation. But if you are in that situation, mm -hmm. there's advice and there's ways that, that you will help a member yeah, they're in that situation. Absolutely, and, and you're right. Nobody wants to be in that situation. I don't want anyone in that situation. I don't want anyone to have to pull out their gun and use it, but the time might come. And like I said earlier, that we teach people what to do before, during, and after an incident. So the education and training is of utmost importance because that training and education, you know what the laws are and you know what you can and can't do, that starts building your legal defense case even before anything happens because you've done everything correctly. So the most important thing is that you get good training and you know what to do and what not to do. The USCCA also provides self-defense liability insurance to make sure that you get the best possible legal representation following this incident. And um, there's, 
different payments, you know, for different items. We, we pay for things like bail and, and get an attorney. We have an attorney network with attorneys all across the country and we cover both civil litigation and criminal litigation and things like that. But if you end up being involved in a shooting and for whatever reason, the, the evidence might be a little bit sketchy and the responding officers, sheriff's department, police, whatever, decide that, you know what, we're gonna look much more closely at this, we're gonna investigate. Then you wanna have a lawyer and you wanna have one immediately. Right. And the, the USCCA helps with that when we do that. And, and uh, again, the training and education portion of this, leading up to it, yep, did everything right. So now I have less to worry about on the legal side. There's still gonna be some, and it's still going to be in five figures. And if you don't have that in the bank, you wanna make sure that you have that self-defense liability insurance. You mentioned something to me that you've talked to a number of people that have been involved in mm -hmm. an incident, and what did they all tell you? Every single person says they wish they would have done something differently. They wish they didn't have to defend themselves. Long story short, they wish they wouldn't have to defend themselves. Because I tell people all the time that that self-defense incident might last five seconds. Mm -hmm. The aftermath of that is, you know, it's gonna be months of investigation and years of legal wrangling. And then you also have, if you shot somebody, even if you did it right, the, the act of shooting someone in self-defense makes you question what else could I have done? So we teach people to avoid conflict and get out of there if they can, just run, just bail out. But if they can't and they have to defend themselves, we wanna make sure they did it effectively and they're protected legally that they, they have this, you know, we call it the self-defense shield um, at USCCA. They have the self-defense liability insurance to help them through this because it's gonna be a long time and it's gonna be a pain in the butt. I mean, even if you do everything right and you literally, it was a life or death situation yeah. and you end up using your firearm against yep. somebody, you have to live with yeah. doing that. Even mm -hmm. if you did it to, for self-preservation, you yep. still shot somebody or, yeah. you know, or and, whatever. Yeah, and every single person we've spoken to, every single person I've talked to who has survived a deadly force incident has been like, man, I wish it would have been different. Yeah. I wish I could have done something else, but I just couldn't. And, you know, I, I feel for them, but it's, it's just one of those things that people don't think about the aftermath. Mm -hmm. They think, I've got a gun, I know how to use it, I'm gonna be okay. Well, you might be okay physically, but mentally. man, yeah, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, financially, yeah. all of this stuff comes into play afterwards. And a lot of my classes I talked about this stuff, people walk out of there thinking, maybe I won't get a gun, you know, yeah. and well, I don't want them to do that. Yeah. You know, I want them to stay alive. I want yeah. them to, to be able to defend themselves, but I want them to know they did the right thing and they got the right training and it's gonna be okay. Well, and I think it's important that people un just understand what gun, you know, for particularly for people that weren't raised around them. You know, like yeah. I grew up with guns my entire life, mm -hmm. you know, primarily hunting, you know, shotguns yeah. and rifles. But I was taught at an early age and I had firearm uh, hunter certification at age 11. Yeah. So at an early age, you're taught that a gun can can kill. Mm -hmm. Like you, you you learn what a gun can actually do, and you know yeah. it's 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 not something to take lightly. So for people 
you know, especially during COVID, maybe they're going out to buy a, a, a handgun for self-defense or whatever the case may be, or even a <laughs> shotgun or whatever. It's important for those people that didn't have the uh, growing up around firearms to understand what guns are capable of. Yeah, and to and more importantly too, understand what their state laws are, oh, what yeah. the rules are, that are governing them, because there's a whole lot of people. I have heard it so many times over the 11 years I've been with the USCCA. You know, yeah, if, if somebody's at my house, I'm going to shoot him and drag him through the door. Well, you know what? Then you're going to get arrested for shooting them, and you're going to get charged with tampering with evidence, or maybe moving a corpse, or something like that. All sorts of things. There's all sorts of of just bad information you'll out there. You'll be alive, but you'll be in jail. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And and I ask people, what do they want to risk everything they have for? You know, uh, let them steal your bike. You know, if, but if they're going to hurt you or your family, then you got to put a stop to that. But um, I, what I say all the time is it's self-defense. It's not stuff defense. So make sure that no matter how angry you get about having your stuff stolen, that you're not using deadly force to prevent that. You can get stuff back. You, you know, you don't want to be in a gunfight over something that, that isn't life or death. When somebody is involved in an incident and they have the liability insurance. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, there's legal defense, but is there m- m- care for mental health at that? Yeah, point? there's uh, opportunities for that. It's all laid out in our in our member services agreement. We have a 24-hour a day hotline that people can call um, to get uh, our, our crisis hotline to make sure that they're. First of all, we, we get the ball rolling and make sure that they're they're protected legally. But yeah, there's a um, there's all sorts of stuff. We're working with a, um, a suicide prevention group and, and things like that. So yes, absolutely, we we make sure we touch on all of that stuff. I think there's a big part of the world, or particularly America, that thinks because somebody wants to carry that they're this big bad wild west you know, macho mm-hmm. man from America, all about guns, Yeah, America, you know, and that they're ready to pull the trigger, you know, mm-hmm. anytime somebody looks at them funny. What kind of message can we tell those people that we're not out there wanting to use that gun, it's literally just to protect ourselves? Yeah, and and that's the exact message is, is we have 790,000 members currently, you know, in the USCCA, none of them are looking for a fight. All of them want to be left alone to the point where if, you know what, now they finally have to do something. And, and uh, we use the legal terminology, are you facing an imminent threat of death or great bodily harm? If you're not, your gun stays in the holster. If you are, your gun comes out of the holster, you do what you need to do, and then you get an attorney. And that's, uh, that's the way it has to work. Nope, nobody wants to go through this. Yeah. Nobody wants to deal with this for the rest of their life. And that's exactly what happens. It's a, it's a, you're right, but it is a huge responsibility is along with that right, that second amendment right doesn't absolve you of the responsibility of doing the right thing. What did you guys think of what happened in New Mexico recently? It's just been crazy that, um, wow. And it's, I don't know when this is gonna air, or when people, it's going to change between the time you and I talk about this right now and what's happening, you know, and when this airs. Um, the governor of New Mexico restricted concealed and open carry in the county surrounding Albuquerque and all state lands around the state. And that is just an incredible overreach. Um, I understand she was upset. I understand that children got killed and that is terrible. terrible that is a horrible 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 thing the loss of freedom is also a horrible thing and 
we have rights and with those rights come responsibilities and she needs to understand that her decree did nothing to the bad guys. Right. All of those bad guys were still going to be carrying their guns for 30 days. And now the good law abiding citizens who followed that law, which has since, you know, there's an injunction in place and, and they're not um, they're not carrying that out anymore. But had it been left to stand, all of the good guys who were following laws would have given up their guns and been defenseless and defenseless citizens that just makes criminals more bold mm -hmm. you know there, there there's no two ways about that there's no discussion the the criminals weren't going to give up their guns and you could argue that might make more people criminals yeah uh, yeah because there's going to be some who don't give up their guns right. you know and and they're law-abiding citizens right up to the point that now we get this crazy law in place and, and the worst part about it is seeing one politician do it by decree and just say, here, I'm the boss. You have to do what I say. You know, I, is that so, going to create yeah, yeah. more instances of more leaders and politicians doing that? Yeah. Well, I, I hope not. I hope what it did is wake up a bunch of people to this idea that um, we participate in our own government mm -hmm. and we need to step up, say something, vote and, and be the voice of reason. I mean, honestly, this the the governor of new mexico was being unreasonable and the rest of us were, were the voice of reason and said no you can't do this where do we learn more about delta defense and uscca and how do we get a membership oh it's super easy uscca.com and it starts right there and even if you don't join uscca the minute you log on to the website there are still hundreds of items of free information that will help you get started on creating a personal defense plan or or helping you decide which gun you might want to carry or something like that and uh, we're all over the social media sites on the line as the kids say you know um, youtube facebook instagram all over the place just search for uscca all right kevin michalowski thanks for the time today I'm glad to talk to you brett thanks did you know there are more than 1,000 lakes in otter tail county yep and i'm gonna fish as many as i can i'm an outdoorsy otter nothing beats a full day of fishing for me the lakes of Ottertail County give me plenty of options to lower my boat and snag the perfect catch. Not an outdoorsy otter? No problem. Ottertail County has something for everyone. You just need to find your inner otter. To find your inner otter, go to ottertaillakescountry.com. Live Target, the leader in Match the Hatch, is back with new lures that also match the action. Introducing the Live Craw. The Live Craw is irresistible to bass, walleye, and other freshwater species. FTEC's winner, the Ultimate Frog, looks and acts just like a swimming frog. With an exposed ultra point mustad hook and replaceable legs, the Ultimate Frog has two styles, two sizes, and eight colors. And iCast and FTEC's winner, the Live Shrimp, mimics a fleeing shrimp for saltwater anglers. Coming soon from Live Target. Northern Minnesota's Walleye Factory is a year-round world-class fishing destination. The perfect getaway this summer is just a short drive to Lake of the Woods. Fish Big Traverse Bay, the Rainy River, or visit the unique Northwest Angle. To catch big fish, you have to go where the big fish are. Plan your trip to Lake of the Woods at lakeofthewoodsmn.com. That's lakeofthewoodsmn.com. 
Now it's time to talk to Joe Henry from Lake of the Woods Tourism. And everybody's got hunting on the brain, particularly once the deer hunting season starts. I think I feel like that's when everything really gets good. Waterfowl tends to get really good. Uh, pheasant hunting gets really good. And uh, of course, fishing gets really good that time of year, too. And there's been some really nice fish caught lately for those that are out there in boats. And Joe Henry, uh, there was a big tournament on the Rainy River recently, wasn't there? There was a real big tournament, yeah, you know, the Chili Bowl. And uh, the Chili Bowl has been a kind of a longstanding tournament for, for a number of years anyway, um, up at Borderview Lodge on the Rainy River. And, you know, uh, they had 75 boats in the tournament and um, some nice fish caught. I mean, they, they went out and caught a lot of fish, um, caught, caught them all different ways. Um, I, you know, they, some got them jigging, but I'll tell you, a lot of people got them trolling crankbaits and uh, covering water. You know, it just goes to show, though, that, you know, there, there's fish in the river, but it's not the big, big run yet. And, you know, uh, everybody's kind of waiting, you know, and, and every year is a little different. Uh, how big is the run going to be? How big a fish from the lake slide into that river for the fall? But I will tell you this, Brett, it's really funny because you talk about hunting and, you know, I'm a deer hunter too. And you have such a limited time to deer hunt. Yet I can tell you this, that some of the biggest fish of the year, some of the biggest walleyes of the year, are caught during the deer hunting season. You know, when you're talking about getting a 13 or 14 pound walleye in Lake of the Woods or the Rainy River, oftentimes at very end of October or the first couple of weeks, November, just before ice up, but I tell you, that's when those fish are on the prowl. You know, and I don't really gun hunt much anymore, and uh, I don't really pheasant hunt during the gun deer season because I try to stay out of the out of the woods and the fields when there's a bunch of guns walking around. Um, I might bow hunt a little bit during that time, but uh, if if the weather is nice. Man, what a great time to go fishing, Joe. It's uh, fall fishing season. Fishing can be really good, but I know a lot of anglers, are they've got hunting on their brain right now, and then they're going to start changing gears to ice fishing here uh, very, very soon. They, they are. And, I mean, if you haven't made your plans, boy, I tell you, if you want a certain resort or certain dates, I would I would call now and make a reservation for ice fishing. But, you know, I'll tell you this. Uh, things really start up at Lake of the Woods. Oftentimes, the end of November, if you spear for pike, some of those back bays get frozen over, you know, in, in November, and that can be some of the best times to go out and spear pike. Now, as far as the ice fishing goes, Mother Nature always dictates our resorts and outfitters will be on top of the safety part of the, the ice fishing scenario, of course. But I'll tell you what, um, you know, when it comes to, you, you know, getting out there and getting that fish house out there, day houses on average get out about December 10th. And then on average, sleeper houses normally get out just after Christmas. Normally, ice roads are opened up to, you know, SUVs and light pickups just right around that Christmas time frame, too. Again, it's, that can be earlier. It can be a little bit later. Just depends upon the year. I was just watching our layout boat hunt that we filmed for Prairie Sportsman last year. And uh, first of all, it's got me excited. We're going back up there to do some layout boat duck hunting here in uh, in just a little, another week and a half or so, something like that, two weeks. And uh, we'll probably do some fishing, I'm sure, while we were up there. But as I was watching that one, it, I talked about traveling to the Northwest Angle. And that, that was the first time I'd driven up to the Northwest Angle <clears throat> through Manitoba. In the past, I'd gone the two probably the two most unique ways you can get to the angle joe we took snowmobiles up that one year and then that also that year that they did the ice road we drove up on the ice all the way up there um, yeah wasn't that cool i mean uh yeah you know you know it's funny because you know um for people that aren't real familiar with the northwest angle it's that little tip of minnesota that sticks up into canada and you know to drive there by land you actually go 40 miles through manitoba and then re-enter back into the united states in an unmanned border so when you get up there, of course, you check in on an iPad. 
because it's an unmanned border. And, and when you depart the angle, you call you uh, Canadian Customs and, and get clearance with them. And it's just kind of a neat area. Northernmost point of the contiguous U.S. It's where the 14,552 islands begin. And, you know, and, and Bright, what you're talking about is if you stay on the lake, you can avoid customs altogether because you're staying in Minnesota the whole way. So you mentioned snowmobiles. You know what? There's a 40 mile, 42 mile groom staked trailer, a trail, a state made trail. And uh, that's one way to get up there. Of course, there's a Lake of the Woods passenger service, which is a bombardier service in the winter that'll take you to your favorite Northwest Angle resort. Um, you talked about the, the Northwest Angle guest ice road that we had one year during the pandemic. And uh, that was very unique. That was 38 miles and it went up the border cut trail. Um, and of course, other people will, you know, they'll, uh, uh, you, you know, just drive it around. And, and one thing about driving, when you drive up there, Brett, you got to stop in, uh, there's a little town you're going to go through. And, Sprague. Uh, and that was, Sprague, Manitoba, right. And when you go through Sprague, Carl and Kay is fine food, just a little, almost like a pole building, but little grocery store. But I'll tell you something. They got those little things. Part of the adventure of going to the angle. They got those little things you can't get in the States necessarily. Coffee crisp candy bars, English toffee. They got that uh, Canadian rye bread, as they call it, which are made in the famous Winnipeg bakeries, almost like a cracked wheat. Um, they got, uh, uh, what else? Canadian, a variety of Canadian jams. And it's just kind of a neat little thing. It's like when in Rome, do the Romans. And, you know, you stop there and get a few snackies. Uh, either on the way up or maybe on the way back. and But I just think it's kind of cool because it's part of that experience of traveling through Canada when you go to the angle. Just don't make me get ketchup chips. Oh, Gross. yeah. Well, I'll oh. tell you, they have different kind of chips, too. They got ketchup chips. They got red pepper sour cream. They got everything chips. I mean, it's just a whole different deal. You know, It's crazy, isn't it? It's just over the border, but there's so many things that are different. Well, you, you start dealing, I think, with different uh, laws and trademarks and things like that. You'll see a lot of very similar products that are in the States, but they'll have a completely different name. Maybe same ownership, but it'll have a different name and just a little bit of a different packaging. Um, and I, I used to get Old Dutch made this. What was it? Party mix or something like that. And I used to get it all the time here in the States. And maybe you can still get it in places, but I don't see it anymore where I live until I go to Canada. And then I see it everywhere. So I always stock up on on that. And Old Dutch is big up there. And, and uh, yeah, ketchup chips, I just, I don't, I don't so get gross. it. So gross. They're disgusting. <clears throat> what else? They have all dressed? Yeah, those also suck. Overrated. <laughs> Not a fan. Were there any Canadian chips you did like? Um, there's a few. Okay, so there was one. Um, what was it? Black pepper uh, vinegar. Back, those were good. It's like a kettle chip. Those mm. are really good. Um, they've got bacon chips. Those bacon are really ones good. We're solid. Um, they have a spice. No, they have creamy dill pickle, which is better than the regular dill pickle. I don't like it. Um, there's a ton of, I like every time we go to Canada, I go through and on my Snapchat rank out candy bars and different chips that I find. And, uh, the well, yeah, A&W root beer is so much better than American A&W root beer. It is, huh? I didn't yep. know that. Uh -huh. uh, yeah. How about, uh, how about ice cream? Do you get ice cream? <laughs> well, yeah, it's all the same. It's everywhere. Plain ice cream. Ice cream's ice cream, I think. Unless someone can tell me differently, but I've tried it, I promise. But it's still ice cream, and you get it every time. <laughs> well, duh. But what's been your favorite candy bar? Uh, the Wonder Bar. Or Wonder Bar. It's, it might Wonderbar. be German, but uh, Wonder Bar, it's like, a, what do they call it? A peanut butter caramel experience, and it is a wonderful experience in your mouth. The, what's the other one? Mr. Big? Yeah, that one's pretty good, too. That's a solid yep. one. There's a we, we won't comment too much about Mr. Big. <laughs> <laughs> I like them. And uh, that is a great idea. You know, I never, you know, when we drove up there, I didn't really think about stopping just to have that Canadian food experience at that little grocery store. Uh, 
I, I, you know, we go through the border a lot with Canada and honestly, the last couple of years, it's been no, no problem. We've gotten through pretty quickly. Everybody's been really nice and uh, accommodating, uh, in years past, you know, you hear some stories of people getting delayed or, or whatever. And we've had that in the past last couple of years, it's been great. And going through that one to go to the angle. And I'm not going to say this is going to be your experience every time, but that border agent knew, okay, you're going to the angle, like everybody else that comes through this border crossing, <clears throat> what do you got? Blah, blah, blah. Ask us all the right questions. And then we did the check-in at Jim's Corner, which I know you don't need to stop there with the app now, right, Joe? That's correct. Yeah. So Jim's Corner, for people that don't know, when you get up to the Northwest Angle and you get into Minnesota, there's a T in the road and it's called Jim's Corner. And there's a, a little hut there, a U.S. hut and a Canadian hut. And, and the U.S. hut is a uh, you know, it's got an iPad in it for checking in and such. And of course, the Canadian one has a phone that you can dial Canada Customs on your way out. But, you know, you don't have to stop there. Now, the resorts have iPads that you can or, you know, go to your resort you're staying at, uh, order your favorite beverage and uh, check in on the iPad, you know. So they, they made it much easier. And I should say, too, Brett, you know, um, a lot of people that go to the Northwest Angle um, will fish Ontario waters, primarily open water fishing, I guess, more so than ice fishing, but even ice fishing a little bit. And people ask, but well, what are the rules to fish Ontario? And of course, you got to have an Ontario fishing license. And then when if you go over by boat, if you're not touching land or anchoring or mooring or exchanging goods or services, you don't have to check in with Canada Customs, nor you don't have to you know ch uh, check in when you come back to the U.S. Now, you can't bring any kind of bait over into Canada from the U.S. No live, dead, frozen, anything. So most people are using plastics or you do have the option to purchase some bait at some different you know Canadian resorts and things when you slide over. Um, when it comes to ice fishing, however, when you go fish Ontario waters ice fishing from the U.S., ice is considered land when it comes to customs definitions. So now you've touched land in Canada. So if you're going to ice fish in Ontario, you do have to call the 888 can pass number each morning to check in with Canada customs. You get permission and then you can slide into Canada and do whatever you're going to do. But then when you come back to the United States, you do need to check in with us customs again, because you had touched land in Canada. It's not a big deal. Again, you go to your favorite resort you're staying at and, and uh, order your favorite beverage and jump on the iPad. It wasn't always that way. It used to be that when you'd come back from ice fishing in Ontario, you had to go all the way back to Jim's Corner. Mm -hmm. And if you were staying on Oak Island, for an example, that's an extra 16 miles round trip, which, you know, with, you know, in the wintertime can be a little bit more, you know, of a, of a process than just, you know, driving in a vehicle or driving in a boat in the summer. So luckily we got that eliminated. Now you can just check in on an iPad. Things are so much easier. Well, Joe, if people want to plan a trip to Lake of the Woods, whether it's Northwest Angle or the other parts of the lake, what should they do? Yeah, you know, hey, check out our website, and that is lakeofthewoodsmn.com. Sporting Journal Radio is a division of Macaba LLC. If you've got a question, comment, or story idea for us, send us an email. Go to sportingjournalradio.com. While you're there, you can learn how to advertise on the show and visit our store for hats, hoodies, coffee mugs, and more. Go to sportingjournalradio.com.